Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. I can't even believe I'm saying this. It's the Oakland Athletics 17, the Cleveland Indians 0. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and normally I enjoy talking about the game on the field. Normally the thing I enjoy is watching baseball being played, but not this afternoon game between Oakland and Cleveland. Forget about this one. What a... We sucked. We sucked today. That's pretty much sums it up. We just sucked today. There was some fun baseball to watch today. The Field of Dreams game between the White Sox and the Yankees was some fun baseball that came down to the ninth inning. And uh, you know what? I'm actually recording this right after that game ended. I, you know, I had some thoughts. I'm not ready to turn in for the night. So that makes this a special edition. That makes this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. You know, sometimes you just got to get your thoughts out there, especially when it was a day game. Especially, I don't I don't want to wake up and talk about this game. I don't. I'd rather talk to you about Field of Dreams. I actually have a great story about the Field of Dreams. It's where we did my bachelor party. We drove out to Iowa to the Field of Dreams. So let's talk about this game really quickly, and then we can talk about the Field of Dreams. So, I mean, what's amazing is that Oakland only had 14 hits. They scored 17 runs on only 14 hits because they drew 10 walks from Indians pitchers. 10 walks, including including a couple of hit-by-pitches as well. So, yeah, we really, really put a lot of Oakland hitters. They were just on the base paths all day. We couldn't get them off the base paths. Um, Eli Morgan started like he was going to go well, but he only lasts four innings, gives up only three hits, but five earned runs because of three walks. Um, and he hit Moreland, he hit Starling Marte, and then Piscotti was hit by Young later in the game. And he just wasn't throwing strikes. Nobody was throwing strikes until Blake Parker really in the, in the last inning. Al Young was throwing um, some strikes. Alex Young was throwing some strikes, but uh, really until Parker, I mean, it just, and it went from bad to worse with Morgan. Morgan on 72 pitches, only threw 45 strikes. Garza, who came in in relief, who goes no innings, gives up one hit, gives up four earned runs on only one hit and three walks. And uh, he only threw seven strikes on 21 pitches. I mean, just a brutal day for Indians pitchers. Then, with the bases loaded, he turns to the rookie out of the bullpen. So he brings in um, Francisco Perez for his first major league appearance with the bases loaded. And he fights his way through an inning and a third Gives up three hits, gives up three runs, including a bunch of inherited runs to Garza. Three walks, no strikeouts on 46 pitches. Um, he was throwing some strikes, 26 strikes on 46 pitches. So he's throwing some strikes, but eventually he gives way to Alex Young, and Alex Young struggles. Alex Young, if you remember, we picked him up off waivers. 
from the Diamondbacks, where he's been pitching for the last three seasons. So this is his first appearance in Cleveland. He goes two and a third. He basically eats some innings here. And uh, on three hits, gives up four runs. Also, as a walk, finally records another strikeout on 38 pitches. So he gets us basically to Blake Parker, who ends the game. So it's a disaster all around. Now, what was actually happening with these Indians pitchers? If we go over to the illustrator here, first off, Bassett was absolutely pounding the strike zone for the A's. This guy was absolutely dominant out there, throwing six different pitches. He threw a four-seamer, a cutter, a sinker, a changeup, a slider, and a curveball, and just absolutely pounded the strike zone. Um, how long did Bassett go in this game? Five innings, six innings. He went six innings, three hits, no runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. Um, Eli Morgan uh, looked like he was having trouble with his slider of all pitches. He was throwing strikes with the fastball, even with the changeup a little bit, completely missing with the slider. Could not keep it in the zone, could not throw it for a strike. Um, was missing a little bit in with the changeup, up and in with the changeup. Garza comes into the game, cannot throw his sinker for a strike. Is finally able to get some cutters over for strikes, but is missing all over the place with his sinker, including a bunch that he can't even get to the strike zone, and then a bunch he throws across the strike zone. Francisco Perez could not throw a strike again with his slider, missing a ton with his slider. He was able to put about six of them in the strike zone, but... Uh, but he threw a ton. He's a big, he's a lefty throwing it across the strike zone. And this is really our first look at Perez, who had been doing really well down in the minors. I actually I want to say he started this season in double A and then has worked his way up to the major leagues in this season. Um, so it's been pretty impressive for uh Francisco Perez. Ye, let's see here. Yeah, he pitched in 11 games in double A and then pitched 12 games in triple A. So he's worked his way up two levels and throwing a, the four seamer he throws. It looks like he was averaging about 92.4 miles per hour on that four seamer. He did mix in one sinker also at 92. And then the slider and the change, uh, the sliders around 83 miles per hour. The changes around 85, eh, both come in at about the same speed. Um, actually, you can throw that slider all the way down at 78.9 miles per hour. So that's the pitch mix you're getting from Francisco Perez. And just, again, struggling to throw strikes consistently here. If we go back to the illustrator, what was actually happening, throwing that slider across the zone, uh, throwing that fastball across the zone two, throwing it inside a lot to the righties, outside to the lefties. It's something we've seen from some of our other lefties, right? Sam Hentges. We've seen similar things here. Now, unlike Sam Hentges, Sam Hentges, all his pitches are on a, on this slant from his arm angle, from that almost three-quarters arm angle. Francisco Perez doesn't have that. He's just pounding the left side of the plate, and he just couldn't hit the left side of the plate, just throwing everything across the left side of that plate and missing to the left of the zone. So that's what was going on with those first three pitchers. And just the walks, just unbelievable how the walks just killed any momentum in this game, absolutely buried these pitchers here. Uh, in the second inning, uh, Morgan would get in all sorts of trouble. He would... Uh, 
hit Mitch Moreland to start the inning, then walk Josh Harrison, then give up a big double, then another walk to Matt Chapman. Uh, he's able to get two outs, get a, a fielder's choice, so an error allows the inning to, to continue, loads the bases, and he hits Starling Marte to actually bring in the third run of that inning. So they're able to score three runs on one hit that inning, which is just ridiculous, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And then in the uh, in the fifth inning, Garza starts the fifth inning with uh, giving up a home run to Mitch Moreland, who absolutely smokes one off him, 107.1 mile per hour exit velocity. Then a walk to Kemp, a walk to Murphy, a walk to Chapman. Uh, Brown would pop out, and then Elvis Andrews would also walk. So the Indians end up walking in a run there. So yeah, it just went from... At that point, it just kept getting worse. I mean, they just kept putting together these monster innings. It just kept singling, doubling, walking. Uh, the A's, I mean, if you had an A's player on your fantasy team today, my God, did you luck out. Some crazy number, you know, here, crazy numbers. Everybody at the top of the lineup was delivering RBIs. Three RBIs for Canna, uh, three RBIs for Marte, two for Piscotti, pinch hitting in that spot. So five RBIs from the two hole in the lineup. Olsen delivered two RBIs. Moreland delivered two RBIs. Chapman, who's absolutely struggling this season, was on base five times. He walked five times. He was 0 for 1 with five walks and three runs scored. That's just crazy numbers right there. And Andrews, of course, Elvis Andrews also, uh, you know, got a hit. Two RBIs, two runs for him. Of course, uh, add more hits for Elvis Andrews against the Cleveland Indians. So that was this game. I mean, we got to put this game behind us. You absolutely have to take a game like this, put it behind you, and move on with your life because there's no point in dwelling on it. The offense managed three hits on the day, a double by Ahmed Rosario in the first inning. Wilson Ramos had a single. Mercado had a single. That's it. There were a couple of walks in there, a couple of chances to get things going. But three hits on the day. The team just didn't. I mean, we didn't have it. We did not bring it to the ballpark. We did not wake up with it. We didn't eat our Wheaties. Whatever it was, we did not have it. So we're going to put this one behind us. And we're just going to assume that this is one of those anomalies. Like, you have to. You have to. Uh, Eli Morgan had been pitching pretty well. Uh, going into this, right? He'd been really competitive in his last few starts. Justin Garza has actually given you some decent relief outings. You got to just assume that this is a bizarre outlier and put this one behind you. His last two starts, uh, he'd given up only two runs in both of those starts. The Blue Jays, he goes six innings, two runs. To Detroit, he goes seven innings, two runs. This is also the difference between facing Detroit and facing Oakland. Like, this is where the Indians are right now. We're a little bit better than Detroit and a little bit worse than Oakland. And in fact, Detroit has actually caught us in the standings. We have the same winning percentage at 487. Uh, we They have two more wins than us, but they also have two more losses. That's how many more games they've played than us. So technically, I mean, according to the MLB app, they have second place and we have slipped to third place. I feel like we're a better team than Detroit, but obviously they've played four more games. Who knows what the Indians would be if they played four more games? I guess we'll find out as they keep playing. 
Uh, in fact, we face Detroit, so we get a chance to flip that script right here. We go up to Detroit for a three-game set. So we get a chance to flip that script, and then we get to go to Minnesota. So we really get a chance against our old Central Division rival you know, foes. We get a chance to kind of flip the script, maybe come back to 500 a little bit against these two teams. Uh, yeah, we've got on the mound for Friday night, we've got Plesak, who really needs a bounce-back game, and TBD for Saturday. And then on Sunday, it's McKenzie going again. Is Sunday Saturday going to be another bullpen game led by Henches? I don't think Henches is thrown since he opened that game, so he's probably available. Uh, there's some other possibilities in AAA. Logan Allen, I hate to say it. But yeah, so there are some possibilities for that Saturday game, but it probably would make sense to just go with Henches again and see what happens. Uh, Plesak really needs a bounce back game, really needs a strong outing here against Detroit, a team he's dominated in the past. He's, he has had good outings against Detroit. He goes up against Alexander. Uh, you're listening to this, so it'll be tonight for you when you're listening to this. It's a seven o'clock game. So that's all my thoughts on this one. And let's talk a little bit about the field of dreams. And if you didn't get a chance to see the game or see any of the highlights or see any of the beauty shots of the cornfields, Dyersville, Iowa, in August, at sunset, is absolute magic. It is beautiful out there. And we did my bachelor party out there. It was about this time of year. We road-tripped out of the, out there from Cleveland. We rented a big 15-person van. We piled some guys into it. A few other guys met us out there. It was friends from college. It was friends from high school. My brother, my dad were with me. We all drove out there. My brother, I gotta give him a little, I gotta give him a little shade on this one. He accidentally drove us to Chicago. Uh, he missed the turnoff for Iowa, and the next thing you know, we know we're heading into Chicago. We're like, dude, where are you going? He's like, I don't know. We're like, you're passing Comiskey. You're you're passing the White Sox Stadium. I know it's not Comiskey anymore. Whatever, guaranteed rate field, isn't it? We're like, dude, you're going the wrong way. So. That was a fun adventure of getting out there. And uh, we finally get out there and, uh, you know, we stay in uh, Iowa City. We get out there to the field. We had the GoPros going. We got a great, like, POV shot driving in the hood. Camera mounted to the hood of the car, driving up that driveway to the Field of Dreams. We rented the field out for three hours at night. And we played an awesome game. Got very creative with it. There were 12 of us. So we played three teams of four. We played a top of the inning, a middle of an inning, and a bottom of an inning. And with four people, there's always someone to bat, even if the bases are loaded. So we had a ton of fun. Uh, you forget how far 90 feet is on the base paths uh, when you've been playing old man softball for so many years, you know, at 65 feet or whatever it is. Um, it, it adds a little bit to those throws and legging out a hit. It really does add a little bit when you're trying to leg out a double and uh, you get that extra 60 feet worth of base paths to go. Um, we did have one guy, my buddy from college, um, who put it in the corn. I think he pulled one foul down the left field line that hit the corn. And then he one-hopped the corn for a ground rule double uh, that stayed fair down the left field line. Uh, so he's the only one of us that could reach the corn on a fly. And uh, we just had an absolute blast. And as the sun was setting... 
I'm telling you that Iowa sky over the cornfield with that sun setting is absolutely gorgeous. And if you watch this game, you got to see some of those shots here. Uh, this game, the Yankees, the White Sox, I had to root for the White Sox. I'm sorry, Cleveland fans. I had to. I can't root for the Yankees. I can't do it. They're the evil empire. That would be like rooting for Michigan or rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, I, I can't do it. It's not in me. So even though the White Sox are our division rivals, even though they're the team we're chasing in the Central Division right now, I think we all know that the White Sox have pretty much run away with the Central Division. I had to root for him last night, and especially, i got to be honest, they interviewed Liam Hendricks. That guy just seems like a great guy. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was, he gave a great interview with uh, Joe Buck and John Smoltz doing the game, and it kind of made me kind of made me a fan of his. He seems, seems like a good guy at the back end of a bullpen, and uh, he gets roughed up tonight, though. I think an incredible ninth inning. They go into that ninth inning up 7-4, to four, and he's trying to pump fastballs past these Yankees hitters, and it's just not working. Judge with a two-run home run, his second home run on the night, and then I believe he walks Gallo. They leave him in the game to face Stanton, and Stanton takes him out to left field for the go-ahead home run, which brings the White Sox up in the bottom of the ninth, and after the first ground out from pinch hitter Mendick, number nine hitter Zavala, who had already homered once in the night, he draws a walk off of Zach Britton. Uh, did they already pitch? I don't know where uh, is, uh, is Araldis Chapman hurt? He must be if they didn't go to him in the ninth inning. Um, so they bring in Britton, and he's got to face the leadoff hitter for the White Sox, Tim Anderson, definitely the one of the faces of that team. And Tim Anderson, he said in the postgame interview, he was looking for a pitch, and he got it, and he knew what to do with it. And he hits it out to the corn and right field for a walk-off home run at the field of dreams. Are you kidding me? Hit it into the corn at the field of dreams for a walk-off home run? That is the dream. That is a dream come true. That's incredible magic right there. That's that's Hollywood right there. Uh, so Tim Anderson gets the big celebration. Uh, the White Sox fans go home happy. And if you, like I said, if you saw any of the highlights, if you saw any of the beauty shots, the photography from out there, uh, it really is absolutely gorgeous. And uh, it's a really cool thing that MLB did this. I would love to see this continue. I know when we were there, we were talking with the, uh, there was like a college kid who was the attendant at the field. And uh, I think he said that they were planning on building more fields out there because they want to have little league tournaments and things like that. And come on, if you're a kid and get to play out there, they had two little league teams or two travel ball teams uh, who played on the actual field of dreams, you know, right by the house. And uh, they talked a little bit about that in the broadcast. And those kids had an amazing experience. So you know this is going to continue to go on. It almost felt like a second All-Star game, right? It felt like a special event. My whole family was tuned into it. Uh, I wonder what the ratings were because it really felt on the level of the All-Star game. It felt like our playoff game. It felt that important. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we'll see if they continue. I was thinking what other movies. I mean, Major League was done in Major League ballparks. The Natural or something like that. It was, wherever it was filmed, it was made to look like those historic ballparks. Uh, the only other one I was thinking was The Sandlot. I have no idea where that was filmed. But if you could recreate a Sandlot game, uh, that would be... I don't know if you could get away with that. And 
you know, it was all dirt. There was no grass left on that field. You had those big weeds growing in front of the big uh, the big fence out there in left field that protected them from the beast. Um, I don't know if you can get away with a Sandlot game, but that was the other baseball movie that like came to mind where you could do some sort of creative field. Uh, could you imagine if they had a big dog, a big, a great, what was that, a Great Dane? I can't remember what the dog was in the Sandlot. Would you have a dog like that on either side? You could do so much for animal rescue charities and stuff like that. The Cleveland Browns do it at a uh, at training camp. They have dogs for adoption. They're they're putting dogs in homes like crazy in training camp. It's a great thing that they do. Could you imagine if they did that during a Major League Baseball game and the dogs were up for adoption and you know they're slobbering over baseballs during uh, you know before they go to commercial and stuff like that? It'd be hilarious. So who knows? Maybe a Sandlot game is in the future for Major League Baseball. But um, yeah. Uh, so again, my experience out there with my family, uh, you know, with my friends, I I can't recommend it enough. If you're a baseball fan, I don't know what the price is going to be now, but the price when we did it was like twenty five dollars an hour. They rented the field to us. You know, we had the field the whole night. A kid showed up with his family, and he asked if he could take an at bats. So we threw him in there. He took. He, he didn't even have shoes. He kicked his shoe like flip-flops off and did it barefoot like shoeless joe jackson um yeah we just had a fantastic time got to play catch with my dad on the field of dreams that was a fun moment we all you know walked out of the corn and stuff like that we brought a wood bat out there with us so it felt a little old-timey uh yeah it's it's a great it's an absolute great experience i threw some pictures up on twitter so if you want to see some of the pictures from out there at davy barris you can see some of the pictures from when we went out there to the Field of Dreams. So thanks for sticking with me on this one. It was a little bit of a strange episode. Obviously, I mean, what are we going to talk about when they're blown out 17 to nothing? There's there's no life lessons you could take away from that. You just got to accept that it happened, put it behind you, and come back to the ballpark ready to work the next day. So we'll see what kind of attitude and what kind of energy the Indians come out with tonight in Detroit and uh, see if they can jump back ahead of the Tigers. I don't want to finish below the Tigers in the standings. I, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want that to happen. We still should be the second best team in this division. We have that much talent, and we're going to bring that much talent back in the next season. So I think finishing second is probably the best we're going to do at this point. Uh, but this feels like one of those seasons, like one of those mid-2000 seasons before the... Hafners and the Sizemores and the Victor Martinez's and the CC Sabathias were ready to lead us to the American League Championship game in 2007. This feels like those 2004 teams where it was just like, who, who pitched on that team? What, what? As the Selby as Godcast does, what random Indian of the day is going to come out of this season? I'm sure Alex Young would be a perfect random Indian of the day who pitched today for us so that's all my thoughts thanks for joining me on this cleveland baseball morning again the final from progressive field was ugly you can follow me on twitter at davy barris you can email the show at cleveland baseball mornings at gmail.com let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show also i'm hosting this podcast on anchor so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash cleveland baseball mornings you can leave a voicemail for the show We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly.